My name's Ann Wakeley. I found Flatirons back in 2005 and have been here ever since. My name's Jean Brynoff. Um, I was encouraged to come by um, a friend and um, I've been here ever since. That was 2011. I had gone to the series of um, women's breakfasts and I felt a really strong pull that I was supposed to meet somebody and that I was looking for community really hard and hadn't found it um, so easily at Flatirons. So after many Saturdays of coming to this women's event, I, I wanted to find community. And many, many times I felt very alone in my journey. I didn't think that I um, knew of other women that were looking for the same thing. I thought, still, there's got to be one person that might just say, let's do a Bible study together. And the meeting was over, was feeling kind of sad and thought, well, I might as well just um, use the restroom and kind of decide what comes next. So that's where I was um, using the ladies' room and I decided to send off my last prayer to God and just say, boy, I sure must have misread this or misheard you. I really thought this was supposed to happen. And so um, at the sink washing my hands, uh, Jean my walked in. When I walked into the bathroom, I was surprised to see Anne. And I said, hi, Jean. How, you know, how did you think this breakfast series went? I really thought I was going to connect with someone. And she said, yeah, she, she enjoyed it too. And then she looked at me and said, hey, would you like to do a Bible study together? And I said, I just sent that prayer off just 30 seconds ago about this. We put together a pretty extensive list of anybody and everybody we could think of because we just thought, you know, what if it's just you and I sitting in the <laughs> sitting in the dining room all by ourselves? We didn't feel qualified to do a group like this. We did not feel like we knew the Bible well enough. We were going on prayer that this was something that God wanted to happen. But um, we were pleasantly surprised when about 10 people showed up. And they kept coming back. We were shocked that we had a good turnout and then they kept coming back. Uh, so we meet, we still meet once a month, uh, the third Wednesday of every month. Um, it's a very fun evening. There's always two things involved, wine and dessert. <laughs> and we usually have a meal around that. Um, just a lot of a lot of fellowship, a lot of laughing, sometimes a little bit of crying, but it's something that I know I personally look forward to every month and I get the sense that, that the other ladies feel the same way. No matter who you are, where you are in life, how, how old you are, what your circumstances are, there is a group that you belong to and a group that, that you, you can have to be your two o'clock in the morning people. Don't stop looking for that because your people are here. If you don't have them yet, you just haven't found them. Answer to one simple prayer in the bathroom became something you can hardly wrap your head around. So I was just watching that video and I realized how creepy that is.
<laughs> we're filming in the ladies' room. We're not going to do that anymore. Uh, we're not. That's just weird. But uh, whatever. You know, um, hey, before we jump into this, a couple things, three things. First of all, I'm not wearing anything from Boot Barn today. You're welcome. Um, I've already been asked, like, why are you dressed up? And it's like, shut up. I don't know. And uh, the other thing is uh, country music is back because I'm back. And uh, I was listening to, oh, no, everybody under 30 went, oh, crap. Uh, um, uh, no, I was, I was driving around my truck a couple weeks ago, and I heard that song that the band just played. And some jumped out at me, and I thought, this should be like the theme song for Flatirons. Uh, I'm doing fine enough to know that everyone's a little broken, fine enough to know that hearts are best when they're wide open. I'm, I still got fear inside of me. I'm not okay, but I'm going to be. I'm going to be all right. And you know what? That's what a lot of us came here for today, is like, we're not Okay. I mean, we have people fool, fooled and parts of our life are okay, but there's parts of us that are still broken and, and we're trying to figure that out. And so uh, we came here looking for something. And if you're here for the first time, I'm really glad that you're here at one of our campuses or maybe you're in China right now. Listen, it's just crazy what's happening. But uh, the, the other thing is, is I was, I was watching Gene uh, and Ann and, and their video, that the thing about them is they found a group and we're all about groups here now. And uh, is that what, what didn't make the interview is that about two months after Gene and Ann formed that group, uh, Jean's husband got sick and died. And uh, so all of Jean's family came to town to take care of Jean. And they were like, who are all those ladies in your kitchen? And it's like, it's my circle. It's my group. It's my go-to. It's my 2 a.m.ers. It's the people that I call that are holding my life together. And, and we all wish we had stuff like that. We all wish we had somebody that we know we could call. And we want to be that for some other people. And so that's what this series is kind of, is, is kind of going towards. We're in part two of this series. We're calling Rows and Circles. And, and so, again, no matter where you are, one of our campuses, or, again, there are people literally on the other side of the world that have lined up couches in apartments in, in China and stuff like that. And they have all their friends over right now. And you're sitting in rows. And the truth is, is that we learn in rows. We go to school and we sit in, you know, some of us went back to school this week and, and we, we get new information in rows and, and so we can learn and it's, it's, it's okay to learn in rows, but, but, but we change or we, we grow inside in, in circles and the idea is that while we take on information in, in big groups like this and, that, and that's good, but real change and by, by that I mean is assimilating all these new things we're learning about God and about ourselves and, and whatever that is. And, and, and here's not just, not just learning new things, but, but, but here's what's happening right now or is going to happen for the next 30 minutes. I'm going to say something about Jesus and what he says is true. And here's what a lot of us are going to do. We're going to go, I believe that's true for them. Or I believe that that would work for you know, people like that or something like that. But you're going to have a really hard time believing that it could actually be true for you. And there's a reason for that. And, and so how do, you, how do you fight through that and get to that understanding that it's not just true for other people, but it's actually true for yourself? And, and, and that happens best in, in a, we're calling it a circle, like a, like a group of trusted friends that are wanting the same things and wrestling through the same things that, 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 that we are, are wrestling through. Uh, it's like, I, I need this safe place to do that, like a container that I can bring all my crap in there and you're not gonna throw stones at me. I'm gonna hand you all the bullets and, and, and trust you won't shoot me like churches typically do. I, I need a place to, to, to work through stuff. So, so total transparency, if you think I'm trying to sell something, I absolutely am, all right? And here it is. My goal is that for anybody who says, Flatterns is my church, and this might be your first time here and you already feel like this is my church, or you've been coming and sitting in one of our rows or watching online for, for months and months, and now something's kind of going, I, I feel like that's home for me now. Listen, um, my goal is that if you've been here for a while, for you to, to, to consider taking another step. 
All right, and again, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, this is the first time you've ever been in a church ever in your whole life or you've been coming for it for a long time. I, I want you to take a, a step towards considering going beyond sitting in a row or staring at a computer screen and actually joining a circle. And here's why. This is this, this, this phrase that we've been using for several months, and this is who we are. This is, this is what we're trying to do. It's called spiritual formation. We are identifying and rethinking untrue or destructive ideas, thoughts, and definitions that we have about God, about ourselves, and, and about the world. Well, we'd say it like this. I've been holding on to these things that I believe are true. Like when you say Jesus, this is what comes to mind. I'm holding on to that. This happened in my life. This happened in my marriage. This happened to me when I was a kid, whatever that is. And so when I look in the mirror, here's what I think about me and here's what I think about people like that and people that do stuff like that. I'm holding on to that, right? And, and it's not really working for me anymore. And so the goal of this whole you know, spiritual formation thing is, is to take all those ideas and, and possibly replace them with the ideas and the thoughts and the definitions that fill the mind of Christ. So, so I've been holding on to this. And let's be honest, there's some things that we've been holding on we wouldn't be alive if we hadn't. We had to get angry just to survive. But it's not working for us anymore. It's just destroying everything. So, so we're getting to know Jesus a little bit better and, and, and as we get, get to know him better, then maybe we can understand what he was saying, and then we'll begin to think like Jesus, and then we'll begin to see things like Jesus, and then maybe we'll let go of these ideas, and we'll take hold of a better idea. And here's the goal, is that maybe if I, if I think like Jesus, and I see myself and God and you like, like Jesus would see you, and the way Jesus thinks, maybe what comes out of me would be better. The way I would treat people would be better, because Jesus is changing something on the inside of me, as opposed to the way I've usually tried to change, and that's just, I just try to act better. I try to be nice to people. It doesn't work, all right? I try, I try to talk nicer or be more patient, but, but I don't really pay attention to what's going on inside, and it's a matter of time until it just all, all, all falls apart. I'm not okay, but I'm gonna be if I just keep on going on this, this journey. And so it's not my job to talk you or anybody else into, into doing anything or joining a group or something like that. So all I wanna do is, is what I did last week. Is I wanna continue to ask some really, really important questions that hopefully will lead you to a conclusion that's compelling enough for you to say, you know what, I, I need to rethink my strategy. And then I say rethink, Jesus would use the word repent, it's the same thing. I need to rethink my strategy for becoming the person that not just I wanna be, but in, in the back of my mind, I think God wants me to be, created me to be, but something happened to me and I don't think I can be that man or woman anymore. And I wanna live this life, but, but, but I, I don't think that life is even possible for me because of what he did to me and then she left and then my parents did this and our finances are like this. And so I put up a white flag, but maybe if I could rethink everything, maybe I could become that man or woman that I believe I was meant to be and then start living that, that, that life I was meant to, to, to live in. Let me just tell you this. I believe that you being here right now and sitting in one of our rows or again, listening online, whatever, and, and then getting in a circle of, of friends that you can actually trust eventually anyway, I think that's a good strategy. It's not the only strategy, but I think it's a good strategy. So, but you'll have to decide. But here, no matter, again, let me just say this, especially if you're new around Flatirons, um, so, so some of you are here for the first time and you're trying to figure this out. Please hear this. I said this last week and I'll say it a lot, all right? You can, you can belong here before you believe all this stuff. You can call us your church, even though you don't, got Jesus, you don't have Jesus figured out and the whole God thing figured out. You know, we even have places where you can serve before you believe. You can't teach, I'll give you that, but we have other things that you can do around here because how else are you gonna figure it out if you don't feel like you belong? So you can belong here before you 
before you believe all this. And that's between you and God, the pace that you go at, okay? And that's gonna make some people mad, and I don't care, all right? So, so la- last week, how can you say that? Because I'm me. Uh, um, Last, last week, the questions I looked at was this, were this. What kind of person do I want to be? And then what kind of life do I want to live? Those are really, really important questions. The questions I want to unpack this weekend with us go like, go like this. What does it mean to be a Christian? That's important, all right? What, what does it mean to be a Christian? I mean, in other words, why did Jesus do all that stuff that he did, all right? And then what role does Jesus play in my daily life? Even if I believe that Jesus did something significant 2,000 years ago, what difference does it make in my life Today, that's what I want to kind of unpack today, and then you're going to go home and try to see what your answers are to these questions. So, so let's look at this first one, all right? What does it mean to be a, a Christian? So I did my homework, all right? So I got online and I Googled this, so it has to be true because it's on the internet, right? So, uh, so I, I, there's, every, every few years, this organization called the Gallup Organization does this big poll, Gallup poll. You've heard of it before? If not, you should use your computer more. But anyway, so... So they, they did a poll of, of the United States, and apparently, and this blew me away, um, 80% of Americans believe in God in some form. They may not be the, the version of God you think of, the uh, higher power, whatever that is, 80% of Americans say we believe in, in, in God, all right? And then of that 80%, and this one just blows my mind, 75% of those people who believe in God claim some level of faith or confidence in Jesus, all right, that just kind of, right, so they say uh, 75% of the people who believe in God in America have some allegiance to Jesus. They call themselves Christian, be that Catholic or Protestant, whatever that is. They, are, they have some connection or some level of faith in, in Jesus. So if I were to ask you to define what, a, what you think a Christian is or is not, what would your one or two sentence answer be? I call it an elevator answer. Like if you got on an elevator and somebody looking and went, what's a Christian? And you had till they got off on the next floor to answer that. How would you answer that? If you were really, really pushed to give a, a really quick answer. And, and in, a, in a church this size, I would say that we have very, very different answers. All, all the way from someone would go, uh, I, I don't know. You know who you are, right? I, I don't know. I never thought about it. Well, that's why you're here, right? Or, or maybe, maybe you, you get the wrong person and you need a PhD and a dictionary to understand what they were even saying. Like, you're speaking Hebrew. Shut up, right? whatever that is, all right? But, but it's a really important question. And so if, if, if you were to be asked, and I am asking you, what makes a person a Christian, how would you answer that? How would you answer that? Well, here's what I think a Christian is. And, and, and here's how I think a lot of us would respond, some, some version of an answer kind of like this. Well, I, I think a Christian is a person who has put some level of faith or belief or trust or confidence, whatever, all right, in, in, in this, in that Jesus is the Son of God and that his death on the cross paid for their sins and then after they die, they'll go to heaven instead of hell. And I agree with that. My, my follow-up question would be that. Is that it? Is that, is that it? I mean, that's, I mean, that's important. I mean, that's, that's the big stuff, right? Uh, you, gotta, you gotta believe the right stuff about Jesus and then you don't wanna go to hell after you die. But, 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 but is that it? Is that all it is? And some of us would go, that's, that's enough. That's, and you know what? Some of you, you'd even quote me back to me, right? You, you'd say like, Jim, you've stood up there and you've said we are saved by grace through faith and, and we, don't, you know, we don't earn our way into heaven by doing something good and if we screw up or when we screw up, God doesn't kick us out, all right? So, so if we're saved by faith in Jesus and not by works and our sins are forgiven, is, isn't, is that all it is? I put faith in Jesus, my sins are forgiven, I go to heaven instead of hell. What else matters? And, and here, here's the reality, all right? A lot of us, if, if we really were pushed, we go, not much. 
Not, 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 not much, and, and how can I say that? Well, just, just look around in the way that we're living our lives. We put it on T-shirts. We, we put it on coffee mugs. Have you ever seen this slogan? I've seen a lot of bumper stickers. Um, ever seen this? Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. That's our theology, and, and that's just it. And listen, I believe that. You know, we all, I think all of us would go, no, no I, none of us are perfect, and, and we also acknowledge that, you know, none of us, past, present, or future, are going to do it completely right, and we have this ongoing need for grace and forgiveness every day. That's very, very, very important, but when we look at that, that's not how we read that. Usually when we read, you know, or hear or, or say, uh, oh, Christians aren't perfect, we're just, just forgiven, we, we tend to read it more like this, um, I, I screwed up again, and... Oh, well, nobody's perfect. It's no big deal. Anyway, I'm forgiven. Don't judge me. Hey, no, I'm, nobody's perfect. Right? I'm, I'm, besides, I'm just, I'm just forgiven. And, and, and kind of the unspoken takeaway from that is, why would I want to change? I'm forgiven. Why, why would I need to do anything different? Why would I need to line up my life with what Jesus says is, is true? Because, you know, even if I don't do this, I have this, like, Jesus, get out of hell free card in my back pocket that I can play after I die, and I'm just in. Now, hang on to that. So, so I, you know, last week I said I'm trying, to, I'm trying to write some new parables. Jesus would write parables all the time. He'd be walking around, and he would he'd, he'd say, I, I want to talk about something spiritual. Let me compare it to something you already know. And so not many of us are shepherds. No, see, all right, and uh, but there are a lot of shepherds who Jesus told a lot of sheep stories. But so, so I'm trying to write some some new parables that, that tie into what Jesus says is true. So I was having this conversation with a friend of mine the other day. I'm not going to say his name because he could probably go to prison for what I'm going to tell you. But anyway, um, but but he he kind of he's he's about he's 39 years old now, and and so we were talking about. He says I've been a Christian for a long time, but but I I, I got to be honest with you, Jim. Um, most of my life, Jesus has had little to do with any in how I've lived my life. And I'm like, well, tell me more about that. He was like back in college. I went, tell me more about that. And he said, like the way I put myself through college, financially. I'm, I'll keep, keep talking, right? So the way, the way my friend, almost said his name, um, uh, put himself through college is he, he was a thief. He stole from like big box stores like Costco. And I don't know if it was Costco. If you work for Costco, don't press charges, all right? But, um, but, but he, when I say he, he stole from, from Costco, he didn't break it in the middle of the night and then put stuff in his trunk and then drive away real, real fast. Um, he would just go in in the middle of the day with a little razor blade. And he would go in and he would cut the barcode off of uh, one box and then stick it on another box. Because this is how it works, all right? This is fascinating to me, all right? You can take a barcode off of like a jar of peanut butter and put it on a box that has a big screen TV in it, and you go up there and scan it, and the scanner doesn't care. The scanner, it doesn't analyze it, doesn't judge it or anything like that. All, I guess it just thinks it's a big bottle of peanut butter or whatever that is, all right? So here's what, here's what he would do. He would go into Costco, and he would cut off a, a label off of a $150 TV, put it on a $2,500 TV, scan it, walk out with it, put it on eBay, sell it for full price, and made hundreds of thousands of dollars as a college student. Now, now please, uh, don't do that. That is illegal, all right? So don't, don't do that, all right? But the, the, here's why I tell you that, all right? I think a lot of us, that's how we approach being a Christian. And, and here's what I mean. Let's just call it what it is. A lot of us are holding on to this thing called barcode Christianity. See, and we, again, we wouldn't say this out loud, but I think some of us in the back of our mind think that however it works after we die, we're gonna walk up to pearly gates or something like that, and God's gonna be there, and, and we're gonna walk up to him, smugly point out that we found a loophole in his system, 
Right? We're going to go, hey, hey, listen, I'm a Christian. Nothing ever changed in my life. I didn't do what you told me to do. I, I didn't, I didn't you know, try to align my life with Jesus or anything like that. But do you remember, God, that day back in camp or at church that one time? They played a sad song, told a sad story, and I cried. And then I prayed a prayer, and I asked Jesus into my heart. Right? Remember that? And I, and I, and I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. Like, you have to let me in. I've got the barcode. And God's going to look at you and go, oh, you got me. You got me, you're right, you're right, you're, just, uh, you're a really bad person, but you got the barcode, so, so, so come on in, all right? Do you really think that's how it works? Now, let me, let me just say this, all right? I am not in charge of how much a person needs to change to prove they're a Christian. I'm not in charge of that, and nobody around you is in charge of looking at you and going, you haven't changed enough, so I don't think you're a Christian. Well, you're not, a, tell them to get lost. They're not in charge of that, okay, all right? Um, and I also believe this, I believe that grace is much bigger and covers more than we could ever imagine. I think when we stand before Jesus and he says, grace covered that too, we're gonna go, are you serious? That's forgiven too? Yeah, I, I think all, all, all that's true. But, and it's a big but here, but, all right, is there any part of you that logically thinks, and would you ever have any trust in a faith system that, that claims that the only reason that Jesus left heaven and came to earth and laid down his life on a cross to remove all sin and condemnation that would separate you from God, do you really think that it only had to do with after your funeral? It has nothing to do with this life. Jesus came to get you out of hell, but your marriage is on its own and your addiction is on its own and your family is on its own and, and, and your health is on its own and your sexuality, you have to figure that out all, all by yourself. All God cares about is what happens after you die. Is, is being a Christian only about and did Jesus come just to get us out of hell? Is that it? Because if that's it, it explains a lot. What do you mean it explains? It explains a lot uh, like, like this. Like few, it would explain why few parts of our lives, and I'm speaking to Christians primarily here, it explains why few parts of our lives ever seem to get better. Like Jesus has no effect on it. No, the, the broken and the really hurting parts of our life, they're not healing. And, and we don't really describe our lives with words like joy and peace. We're going to heaven after we die. It just feels like hell till we get there. Right? It explains why very few of us would describe our lives as the abundant life that Jesus said he came to give us in this life. It would explain why very few Christians would describe their walk with God as personal and intimate or powerful or strong or loving. It would explain why, why, why most of us don't feel qualified to call ourselves the spiritual leaders of our home. I, I don't even know how to do that. I, I'm not a, a leader in my relationships. I, my mind's not really focused on, on, on Christ, and I'm, I'm not really operating my career out of a, a with God kind of way of life. It also explains why, this is really convicting, right? Why there's absolutely no difference whatsoever in rates of divorce or suicide or abortion or addiction or legal battle, battles between those people who say, I'm a Christian, and those who say, I, I don't follow Jesus at all. There's no difference in this world. But, but if all that Jesus cares about is what happens after you die, who cares? Who cares if we change? Who cares if our life gets better? I mean, after all, Christians aren't perfect, but we are forgiven, so it doesn't matter how we live our lives. We've got the barcode, right? The other thing it explains is why more and more and more people are giving up on the whole idea of Christianity and church and therefore Jesus because they just look at the whole thing that we're trying to put out there and go, well, that's irrelevant. It's unimportant in my life, and what they mean is it's not helpful. I mean, if the only thing we have to offer is, you know, hang on until after you die, listen, I've got stuff going on today. 
I have pain in my life today. I need help today. I, I have some parts of my life that I would say the stakes are so high, I cannot lose again those parts of my life. And, and if, if all, all I'm being told is just hang on till after you die, it all gets better in glory land or heaven or Zion or whatever they call it, right? right? Listen, I need help today. Anybody else? I'm going to heaven after I die. I'm not even worried about that. But, but Robin and I need help today. Anybody else? It explains a lot, doesn't it? So, so let's get to, to that second question, all right? So the question would go like this. So, so what role does Jesus play in your daily life? Not after you die, now. Like, like this week, you know, going back to school, going back to work or, or whatever that is, this body, not, not, not the, the, the perfect body I'll get at the resurrection. I don't have that one yet. I need help in this one, this family, this marriage, this, this career. So what role does Jesus play in this life? And in order to answer that, you have to go back to the other question, but what is a Christian? So how about this? Let's rephrase that because it doesn't matter what you think a Christian is and it doesn't matter what I try to tell you a Christian is. Let's go back to the source. How about this? What did Jesus mean what did Jesus mean when he made reference to the word Christian? As he was walking around talking about, you know, about all this, when he used the word Christian, what did he mean? And here's, here's the answer. He never used the word. Jesus never said and never used the word Christian. He didn't, he didn't use it. And that didn't get used until years after Jesus went back, back to heaven. But, but, but when it was used, it was actually used to point towards the, the, the word that Jesus actually used. And that was the word disciple. They're the same word. All right, now, quick historical note, all right? So, so the very first followers of Jesus, they were called disciples, and almost all of them came out of the Jewish faith. Then once that kind of the, the door was open and a lot more non-Jewish people started following Jesus to avoid confusion, because there's people walking around Israel saying, if you want to become a follower of Jesus, first you have to become Jewish. So you have to you know, convert to the Jewish faith and go through all these ceremonies and get circumcised and all that stuff. It's like... That would kill church attendance. But anyway, but anyway, and then you can become a, 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 a disciple. So, so the word Christian, though, was first used to describe any and all persons. You didn't have to become Jewish to become one, all right? Who had become a disciple or a follower of Jesus. And for the record, and prove me wrong on this if you want, the word Christian is only in the Bible three times. And we, we make a big deal out of it. But the, 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 the word disciple is over 300 times. And, and, and while they were meant to refer to the same thing, somehow in the, in the last 2,000 years of church history, we've made them different. You have Christians, and then you have disciples. And, and Jesus never meant for that to happen. So I, I want to look at, at, at what Jesus meant when he said disciple, the same thing that we call, call Christian, all right? So if you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, all right? And, and there's three Bibles in the back of all our auditoriums, but you have to have eyes that are like eagles because the, the font's this big and the lighting's horrible. And, uh, but we have these big new screens, so it's going to be awesome. All right, so, so uh, Matthew chapter 28. This is, the, this is the final talk that Jesus gave. He, he, he'd been resurrected from the dead. He spent about six weeks t teaching people after he rose him from the dead. He's about to go back to heaven for 2,000 years and counting. And so, so he gets his, his disciples on this hill uh, in this part of Jerusalem, or uh, Israel's kind of divided into sections, and this one section is called Galilee. And so he gets all those people there, there on, on top of this mountain, and he gives this speech that we've now come to call call the Great Commission, all right? He didn't call it that. We call it that. But it's kind of like his marching orders before he leaves for what we're to do until he comes back, okay? So we're in Matthew chapter 28. It says this. It says, in the 11 disciples, there used to be 12. 
Judas didn't do well. Anyway, but anyway, but then the 11 disciples, they went to Galilee, that's a part of Israel, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So they, they went where he told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So the first thing we kind of learn about these this disciples goes like this. Um, for, first of all, they obeyed him. All right, they went where Jesus told them to go. They obeyed him. That's really important. So a disciple, a follower of Jesus, follows. Write that down. That's good, all right? Uh, if, if a follower of Jesus actually follows, all right? Now, here's the other part of it. When they, when they, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some still had what? Doubts. We're worshiping you. We're, we're obeying you. We still have some doubts and some questions and some confusion. So the other thing to follow away is this. Being a disciple doesn't mean you have it all figured out. It doesn't mean you have all the answers. What it means is I'm going to keep on following and obeying as I try to figure it out. I'm not going to wait till I have all the answers before I start trusting him on, on some, some levels. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to obey him and, and trust him enough that the things I don't understand will make sense down the road. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's keep going. Then Jesus came to them up there on the mountain and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How can he say that? If you nail me to a cross and kill me and put me in a hole and three days later I come back to life like I said I was going to do, I'm in charge. That's very simple theology right there. If you do that, I'll start a church in your name. But Jesus did it. Okay, so he, he's in charge. Now, therefore, because I'm in charge, go and make disciples of all nations. So the, com the command to everybody who says, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a Christian, I'm a disciple, is, is to, to leave where you are and, and intentionally go to all nations. Now, wait, we, we, we immediately go, I mean, I have to become a missionary and go to Africa or something like that. Maybe, but it would be this. Every, from the place where you are, all the way to the other side of the earth and everything in between, go there. And that would include the person sitting next to you and the person who lives in the house next to you and the desk next to you at school and the cubicle next to you at work, all right? So from here to there, go for, for the intention of making more disciples. Now, what's that mean? You mean go and tell them they need to not go to hell? Well, maybe, but, but, but maybe there's more to it. So I'm gonna make disciples, all right? And then I'm gonna baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we, we looked at this a few weeks ago. When we, whenever we say in the name of, you could actually say I'm, I'm baptizing them into the, the reality of the whole wholeness of God, the whole Trinity. So, so I, I, I'm, 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 being, I'm being brought into the reality of all of God, I'm going to take all the parts of my, of, of my life and I'm going to put them into the full reality of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit who's around me and in me. I'm going to enter into that. Now, now baptism, let me talk about it real quick. We're going to do it here later this, this fall. Baptism in the Bible was they would immerse people underwater to symbolize a couple of different things. Um, it was like a kind of washing like a ceremonial washing, but also it could symbolize like new birth or entrance into something new. And Jesus didn't invent it. Jesus borrowed baptism from the Jewish faith. It was already in existence, and he gave it a new, a new meaning. He did that with stuff all the time, like, like um, the thing that we call communion or the Lord's Supper. He, he just took the Passover, Jewish Passover meal, gave it new meaning, and now we celebrate that, that, we, that death and condemnation pass over us just like it did the, the Israelites back in Egypt thousands of years ago. So he gave, he gave baptism a new, a new meaning. Well, what, 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 what was it? How about this? Baptism symbolizes the washing away of sins. Get this. Baptism does not take away your sins. Jesus takes away your sins. Baptism is a gift to us to symbolize I'm clean. I'm washed. 
The other thing baptism does is it, it symbolizes a person's entrance into a, what's this? A new life, okay? Now, this is really, really important because this is one, like, I'm, I'm really passionate about this, okay? It's not Jesus gives you a second chance. I don't want a second chance. I need a new life. Like, I want to be a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I want, I want all that he has for me. He says, I'm gonna give you a new life from above, not just another chance at this one. And baptism symbolizes a person's entrance into a new life. Uh, we don't use it much anymore, but years ago, people used to say, I was, I'm born again. This is what they mean. Right, right, right here, okay? Entrance into a new life. How is that made possible? Because of what Jesus did. He removed anything that would stand between you entering into an intimate relationship with, with God. Now, why would he want to do that? Why would he want to get us, get everything out of the way so that we could be close to God? Here's the reason. So that something more can begin to happen. Something more. God, Jesus says this. So sin and condemnation, you can't be near, near God. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay for that and move it out of the way. And now you can go into the full presence of God and bring your life into the presence of God. What, 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 what did Jesus call it? He called it the kingdom of God. We're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount here in a few weeks. He calls it the kingdom of the heavens. God is not way out there on a cloud in outer space, and after you die, you go meet him. He's like the air around your head. He's the heavens. And you can live your life in his presence. Like starting now, Jesus, I don't know, when you hear the word good news or gospel, Jesus is the kingdom of God's right here. That's the good news. Here, here's how he said it. Again, we're gonna, we're gonna start on Labor Day. We're gonna start working our way through the Sermon on the Mount. It's three chapters, and we're gonna spend a lot of time. We're gonna go really, 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 really slow. Like, like if, you, like, I don't know, years. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, but, but this is the chapter right before. It's kind of like the prequel to the Sermon on the Mount. And this is Jesus, and he says this. For from that time, this is right after his baptism, Jesus began to preach, and here's what he would say. He'd say, repent. That's what he said. It's the same thing. Rethink everything. For the kingdom of heaven, it's at hand. It's available to anyone who wants, who, and wants to come in. All right, and Jesus opened almost every talk he ever gave, every speech he ever gave, every message, every, 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 every teaching. He, he would start with this. And I'm going to paraphrase it, but he'd say something like this. I'm going to tell you some things about God and what is now possible for ordinary people like us. Now, if I'm right, you might want to rethink everything. Rethink you, rethink God, rethink your place in the world because new things are possible. It, the kingdom's been around since before time. It's just made possible because I have removed anything that would keep ordinary people like us out of, out of God's presence. And now you can take all the parts of your life and you can live interactively with God. Starting now, this is eternal life. It starts now, not after you die. So here's the question coming in. Okay, so let's say I do that. I get baptized or I put my faith in Jesus and I take my life and I put it in God's kingdom. Now, now what? Now I just wait, wait till I die and then hope things get better then? No, look at this. This is the rest of that sermon uh, up there on that hill, okay? And teaching them, those people who are just, just barely, barely believe it all, all right? Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely, I promise, I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. So as disciples, here's kind of our assignments. It goes kind of like this. We are to learn from Jesus how to align all the parts of our lives with what Jesus says is true. Now, let's just stop right there, okay? It's not just believing new stuff. The reason we're here in, in rows or, or listening to my voice right now is not just so that we can get some more information and say, okay, I have more stuff that I believe that I don't do anything with either. 
That's not the point. It's reality, but it's, it's not what Jesus had in mind. So I'm going to take all this stuff, not just to believe different stuff, but how about this? Is, but I'm going to take that stuff, and I'm going to put the right stuff that I've learned from Jesus into practice in my daily life. So Jesus, you say this is true. Okay, I believe that. What am I going to do with this? And then as we learn from Jesus, here's the second part of this, is that we're to teach others what we are learning from Jesus. Now, you got to hear that. Don't try to teach people stuff you don't know. It never goes well. Right? I mean, so I, I don't know how this works, but apparently this is what you're supposed to do with God. It just doesn't go well. All, all we have is our story. I don't have a, a lot of theology. I don't have a lot of background in this whole thing. Here's what I know. Jesus has changed this part of my life. You might want to think about it. That's all we have to offer the world, right? So how does that happen? What is, the, what is this great commission and goal for Jesus? And I was going to say his church, but I was going to say for Flatirons. What is Jesus' goal for this church called Flatirons? And it goes like this. All right, enter into, that's us, and then invite others into a journey called spiritual formation. That's it. Let's go on a journey with Jesus. Would you like to come with me? That's what this church is about. So, so he, as my disciples, all right, I, I'm going to go to the whole world and say, you know what? People, ordinary people like us, Jesus is inviting us in to, to live life with him. Everything's been removed. Everything's forgivable, all right, in your everyday life. Not the life you wish you had, not the, not, not the life that if things get better, but this life. Every, everybody is welcome. He's removed every obstacle. And this is really important because this isn't how I grew up in church. Jesus wants you to come as you are right now. He doesn't, he's not saying fix your life and then come to me. Clean up your life and then come to me. What he's saying is, so is your marriage a train wreck? Bring it. Don't fake it. Still addicted? Come on, bring it in here, right? Your, 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 your body is, is betraying you? Bring your sick body in here. Your, 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 your kids hate you? You hate your parents, whatever that is? Bring that hatred in here. Bring all the parts of your life. Come in here before anything gets better. Come in here before you try to change anything, try to stop doing bad stuff or start doing good stuff. Bring your current life in here into his kingdom and be a disciple because if, if anything could change on your own, you would have already changed it, right? And if anything is really gonna change, our best shot at anything important changing is not out there on our own, but is in the kingdom. Here's what, here's what I think we need to do is that we all think Jesus is our savior and he is and that is of utmost importance, but we need to begin to see Jesus as our teacher. He's so smart. He runs everything. It was all his idea. So when we go, hey, Jesus, have you ever thought about this with marriage? Yeah, I thought about it. It won't work. But I can't tell you how it will work. Hey, Jesus, do you think I should forgive those people over there? Well, you don't have to. You're saved and you're forgiven and you're coming, but it'll own you till you do. I know how it works. I created the human heart. He's so smart. He knows about money. He knows about sexuality. He knows about marriage. He knows about divorce. He knows about addiction. He knows about all these things. Jesus, you're my teacher, and I want to be your student. I want to be your disciple. I want to be your apprentice. I want to begin to learn from you. 
I want to train to put into practice what you say is true. I want to replace all these old ideas that I've held onto for so long, and they worked for a while, but now they are just ruining everything, and I need to rethink this. I need to rethink God. I need to rethink myself. I need to rethink all these people. I got to rethink this, how I'm doing marriage. I got to rethink how I'm, how I'm treating my body. I got to rethink sexuality because my feelings and what you say is true, and they're just, it's just all messed up. I need to get to know you better, and then maybe if I get to know you better, then I'll understand you a little bit better, and then I'll begin to think like you, and then I'll begin to see the world better. How about this? I want to live my life in the same way. I want to be the same kind of person. If Jesus had my life, this is what he would do with it. I want to, I want to treat Robin the way, if, if Jesus was married to Robin, I want to treat her that way. Robin deserves that. Right? I, I, wanna, I, I have this big pile of debt over here. If, I, if, if Jesus had this big pile of debt, what would he do? See, I know. What would Jesus do? You'd walk on water and cure cancer. I can't do that. If Jesus had my life, what would he do? That's what I want to look at. And then he says this on top of everything. And you don't have to do any of this on your own. He says, I will be with you always, surely, till the end of the world. I promise. But then he says this. How about this? Not only will I be with you, but I'll never send you out there to try to figure this out on your own because you, people don't do well in isolation. So I created this thing called the church. And in church, there's this thing called intimate circles where you can link arms with some other people. And we're, we're not okay, but we're going to be. We're going to be all right. So what is a disciple? Very simple. If you have your phones, this is the money shot right here. Okay, so uh, a disciple is simply a person who's on a spiritual formation journey of training and learning to obey and do all that Jesus says is true and best. That's all, that's all we're trying to do. We're on a journey. So, all right, so when does a journey start? It doesn't start when you think about it. You know, someday I'd like to go to Italy. Yeah, well, that's, oh, good, all right. And I'm going to. Okay, good. You still haven't started your journey. You know when you start your journey? When you take one step in that direction. Now, let me explain that, and we're going to get out of here on time. Do not, this is two weeks in a row. Do not get used to this. So I was having this conversation with this guy uh, at the office the other day, and he said, Jim, I, you know, I, I get it, but I don't think everybody's ready for spiritual formation. And I said, Chris, what do you mean by that? So what do you think spiritual formation is? And he goes, well, obviously, you have the answer, so why don't you just tell me? So, because it wasn't really a question. I was loaded for bear. All right, so anyway, so I said, yeah, I'll tell you. I said, spiritual formation is just a starting a process. It's not for the elite. It's for the babies. It starts with one step. Now, I'll give you an example of this, okay? So this past Wednesday, two of my grandkids, this is a parable, new parable, right? Two of my grandkids... Um, Started kindergarten, all right? So Jonah and Emery went to kindergarten, and they, they, was, they had their uniforms on, their pictures on Facebook, and all that kind of stuff. And, and it was a very emotional day. I, I, I'm fine, all right? But anyway, um, I made it through it. But anyway, they're so cute. But anyway, so um, they, they, they came home from school the first day, and they told their moms everything. And then both their moms called Robin. They don't talk to me. I don't know why. But anyway, they, they called Robin about how excited they were, and they loved school, and they couldn't wait to go back the next day. So then the, the second day of school, I went down to my son Jordan's house uh, down in Westminster to pick him up to run an errand, and Jonah was there. There. He's five, and he's getting ready for school. And I said, did you love it? He goes, I'd love to pop up. And, and so then he said, i got to show you something. And he ran in the kitchen. He pulled this beautiful artwork that he had made at school. It's beautiful, all right? And he said, so, so the numbers go with colors. It's colored by numbers for you not keeping up, all right? He's like, pop up. The fours, all the fours are green. I'm like, yeah, you nailed it, buddy. And uh, the reds, there's only one red, and it's a five, but it's just right there in the middle of the flower. I'm like, perfect, all right? So, so Jonah and Emery are learning numbers. They're studying numbers, okay? And how numbers work and how you put numbers together. Do you know what that makes them? Mathematicians. 
Don't judge that. That is absolutely true, okay? Mathematicians, the study of how numbers work. That's all it is, okay? Now, about, about 20 minutes west of where I'm standing right now um, is, is the University of Colorado, and a bunch of students are going to go back there, and they're going to take these advanced math classes, and, and they're going to be led by people who have doctorates and PhDs and calculus and stuff I don't understand about imaginary numbers, whatever, all right? All right? So, so, so you know what those professors are? Mathematicians. And Jonah and Emery and the doctor whoever up there, calculus person, right, they're in the same category. They're just a little further along than Jonah and Emery. But they're all disciples of math. Making the connection? You don't have to have a degree in theology. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be the spiritual giant. When do you become a disciple? The first step towards Jesus. Some of you did it today. You didn't even mean to. Like, you're here. I don't know why I'm here. I, I don't believe this God stuff. She won't date me unless I go to church with her. Welcome. All right, whatever that is. <laughs> is but you didn't have to come. You, you opened up a little bit of your heart, to, at least to consider that it's the beginning of a journey. All, all I'm saying is pay attention to it. And that step is followed by another step and another step and another step and another step. And eventually, um, we begin to think like him. And when we start thinking like Jesus, then we'll actually treat people better. Not because we tried to, but it's because that's who we've become. So I want to invite you to come follow Jesus with us. Keep coming in these rows. Bring your friends. I promise we are not going to bash him over the head with Jesus. We're just going to say, here's what he said is true. Y'all work out your stuff in your own time. And, and maybe you know, if you have questions, you know, come talk to one of us, or better yet, get in a circle and work it out in your own time, in your own place. All right, so just consider that. When you get up out of this room in just a minute, don't just rush to your car or truck. Maybe just stop by and just look at some people out there in, in one of the lobbies or get online and go, let's try this. Let's just try this. What? Um, spiritual formation. Let's go on a journey to get to know Jesus better. That's, that's all we want to do. Okay, I'm done. I'm a minute over. That's better than normal. All right, so let's, uh, let's stand up, all our campuses right now, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing this great song. We're going to sing this great song. It's called Resurrect Resurrection. So everything that I've said or quoted Jesus about, the only reason you should believe it, or at least consider it, is because he backed it up by rising from the dead. If he didn't raise from the dead, then it was just a good idea. It was a pipe dream. But if he really is who he says he is and will keep all of his promises, then everything I told you today is true and you might want to consider it. But then Jesus turns around and says, not only did I rise from the dead, I will take all the dead parts of your life. This is the lyrics of this song. I will take the, the deadest parts of your life and if you trust me with them, I can, I can bring them back to life too. So God, um, that sounds amazing and wonderful and I think I speak for a lot of us. If that's possible, we want that. But the idea of... Uh, getting to know you, let alone getting in a group of people or something like that, that's scary because what scares us is when people really get to know the real me, um, they're going to do what other people and other churches have done, and that's they're going to put a finger in my chest and say, I didn't know that was true about you. You have to leave, and they'll throw stones at me, and I'm tired of, I'm tired of being judged all the time. God, we made you a promise as a church that we will not do that to people. We will just point to your son Jesus and what he said is right and true. And we won't point at people and tell them that they're wrong and bad. We'll just point towards Jesus and go, he's right and true. The two of you just get together and work out your stuff. And then we will take care of one another. We'll help one another. We'll encourage one another. We won't pass out judgment. We won't, we won't throw stones at one another. We'll just become, this is what we're going for, the kind of people that remind the world of Jesus. Wouldn't that be great? 
It's what the world is waiting on. It's what a lot of us even standing right now are going, I would, I would give my life to something like that if it was really possible. Jesus, you said it's possible, and we want to be a part of what you're doing. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.